Welcome to the Home Care Network podcast. In our podcast, we're bringing various guests discussing relative business matters that's concerning the operations of your home care business. Our guests will include fellow business owners, home care and healthcare specialists, service providers, and a wider range of business mentors and coaches. Be free to share the podcast within your network and to scroll through our channel for more content that is relative to you. Join us. We are networking today as we build for your tomorrow. Home Care Biz Advisors is back with you guys for another session, another day. It's my pleasure and it's my honor to be here today. And we are going to be focusing on Medicaid. And who we have with us today is one of our kingpins in the industry, um, Harold Grodberg out of New Jersey, our attorney, our Medicaid expertise, uh, expert, sorry, who is going to be talking to us about the Medicaid basics. And there is a lot to Medicaid, but let's just welcome Harold. Harold, welcome and thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me, Yvette. It's, it's a great honor. I'm very happy to be here. And are you happy to be here to share the information about Medicaid or to hear about the accent? <laughs> both. A little both. bit of both. Okay. And, it's, okay. and it's, it's a hard call, which is the, the primary one. Okay. Well, you know what? I think let's take the one that is most important. And it's most important is, you know, sharing the information with our audience, our viewers, our owners, our entrepreneurs about how Medicaid really impacts us. And maybe we don't think about it because we're just saying, you know, um, I'm just going to go take care of this client. But it's so, so very important for us as owners and as, you know, service providers to have that understanding of, you know, our clients and their financial background. Um, so, Harold, tell us a little bit about you. First of all, let's, let's open up with that. Tell us a little bit about you. Great. Um, I'm an elder law attorney, and I'm also what's known as a certified elder law attorney, which means I took a test and I had um, enough experience to qualify. Um, my practice is in New Jersey. I've been doing this work since 1992, so I guess that's 30 years. Um, I look back on it and, and say, how did that happen? You know, 30 years. But I've been doing elder law and specifically Medicaid planning for for 30 years um i've seen a lot and um i definitely have a lot of knowledge to bring to the table today perfect perfect look the key word that you just said was planning um you know and it's just such a profound word planning and and many people and many consumers many clients or potential clients they don't actually consider having to plan for Medicaid, because like when well, my money's run out, my money's run out, right? But it doesn't have to be that way. So how? Let, let's open up by just you know starting. How does the Medicaid planning like really start? Let's get to the, those basics. What do we have to really do in terms of planning? That's a great question. Um, it's planning is a beautiful thing, and and I do it all the time, and I help protect assets all the time. Medicaid has gotten so difficult now in New Jersey and throughout the United States that planning is really the second set, the second step. 
The first step is making sure you've done the basic things to be eligible for Medicaid and specifically Medicaid home care benefits. And probably one of the most significant issues that applies directly to the people listening us to us today is how people are paying for their home care before right. they hire an agency. Right, right. Yeah. right. And, and what have you seen? What, what has been what has been like the rule of thumb or what has been some of those trends that you're seeing as it relates to that, Harold? What we're seeing is that people think the best way to pay for home care is um, informally, to pay cash um, under the table. And that causes an incredible amount of harm when people either run out of money or decide to apply for Medicaid. Um, Medicaid especially in New Jersey, is applied in the most harshest manner possible. And if someone pays cash for years and years, they li they literally will never be eligible for Medicaid. Hmm. Very interesting. So let's, let's go through those steps then. So I'm going to take myself as a consumer and I'm coming to Harold Grodberg and I'm saying, hey, Harold, you know, someone told me I've got to do some planning. Not quite sure what this planning is. What is going to be your response to me and how are you going to set me up to begin that planning process, protecting my assets and obviously living happily ever after? The first thing we're going to do is collect a lot of information. We're going to collect demographic information. We're going to find out if you're married, if you're single, who your children are, whether any of them are disabled. We're also going to find out if you have been paying someone under the table. At the same time, Medicaid has something called a look back period, hmm. a period of time where we have to provide bank statements, check copies and deposit slips. And I'm going to gather that information up from my client. We can't do any planning until we have this very basic demographic information. And then from there, we have a real broad arsenal of planning alternatives. And can we go into some of those or is that is it like top secret? No way. It's definitely not top secret. <laughs> um, some of the easiest planning is when you have a married couple and one spouse is applying for Medicaid and the other one isn't because we now have these laws that allow us to protect the assets that normally would be spent for the benefit right. of the healthy spouse. Right. So. One of those words that, you know, is always on the top of my tongue and obviously just being in the industry the time that I have been is a spend down. Right. So let's let's navigate into the spend down. And what does that mean? Because, again, there's some filters on there that the government um, allow us to maintain and some that they with during that five year look back. Um, let's, let's navigate into that a little bit more, Harold. Great. There's there's categories of assets that people can spend money on where it won't interfere with their eligibility for Medicaid. The primary categories are a residence. And a lot of my clients actually do buy a house in order to establish eligibility. Car, a good asset. Funerals, another good way of spending down. But typically, the spend down route is by paying for care. 
um, care in New Jersey from an agency 24 hours is $6,000 a month. And it's pretty easy for someone to get down to the Medicaid level um, by, it, it's pretty easy for someone to get down to the Medicaid level if they're spending $6,000 a month for living aids. Right. And, but that's six, but then we've got that five year look back. So again, it, it's planning, as you mentioned, right. In terms of a five year look back, do I have to be spending $6,000 every month for five years to qualify for the five year look back as well as saying that I'm utilizing my funds to the point that I have nothing left. And at the end of that, let me just also say this, Aaron, at the end of that, what what am I allowed to maintain for oneself, for my family, for my household, but still qualify for that Medicaid um, eligibility? Great question. If a, if a person's single, they can have no more than their house, if they own it, and $2,000. Okay. If a person's married, it's far different. And in fact, I can make most one spouse of a married couple eligible for Medicaid within a very short period of time if they come to me or an elder law attorney who's got similar knowledge and background. Um, so it's a very different outcome if someone's single or married. So, so what you're saying here, and again, just, you know, just scrutinizing it just a little bit here, is you're saying that I could be in the house with my loved one, my, my spouse, I can apply for Medicaid, and maybe he cannot qualify. Correct. And yet he will be able to keep or she will be able to keep the great majority of your assets. So only one spouse has to be below $2,000. The other spouse has a far higher resource limit, and it's based on the resources of the couple when they first apply for Medicaid. So typically, a married couple, the healthy spouse can keep up to $137,400, and that's in addition to their house. There are actually legal planning techniques that I can protect more money for the healthy spouse and get immediate eligibility for Medicaid for the ill spouse. Huh. Very interesting. Very interesting. So this is what we're going to do, Harold. Let's take a, just a very, very short break. Um, let's do that first. But then I really want to get into, okay, how does Harold then communicate and submit to government those above um, and get approved for individuals to be on Medicaid. And how does that actually also relate from home or facility, right? Because um, that can also have its challenges as well, as we know. Standing on what we just spoke about, um, you know, the basics, the importance of planning and, you know, utilizing home care services, Again, $6,000 a month, easily spent, five-year look back, husband and wife got different implications, but can keep a property, um, have no, have less than $2,000 of, um, of uh, liquid assets, I guess, at, at that point. But let's talk about how does this relate for somebody who, is there any difference as it relates to somebody who's potentially going into an institutional setting? That's a great question. There's a big difference, um, especially for a single person. 
You know, most single people really can't divest themselves of assets effectively for home care. But in a nursing facility, they can. And we have legal planning techniques where we're able to protect for their families at least 50% of their assets. Huh. Some people are a little bit more, some people a little bit less. The problem with these techniques, though, is that they don't work if we don't have the vitally important financial information. And most people just don't keep it, especially when they're home and they're receiving benefits at home, or even if they're just receiving you know, home care from an agency at home. They, they don't hold on to those vitally important documents, which is really your key to getting into that Medicaid door at home or in a nursing home. So I'm assuming that that is going to be one of your, your top on your list to do's is make sure that you keep your documentation. You yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's frustrating because years ago, this was not a big issue for Medicaid, but because of political changes in the United States, it has become vitally important for people to keep their bank statements, to keep most importantly, their deposit slips, believe it or not, incoming wow. money, money coming into someone's account, being able to prove where it came from is now the most important thing to getting Medicaid eligibility for home or nursing home. So, so let's, let's continue then in saying, I've come to Harold, I need to start planning. You've collected those vital and basic data, paperwork, information. What are your steps? What is the steps of an elder law attorney as it relates to my Medicaid planning and obtaining approval, whether it be institutionalized Medicaid or um, community Medicaid? The first step is gathering the data. Mm -hmm. The second step is adjusting the assets, the ownership of assets and how they're owned in order to maximize the protections available under the law, and then we apply. Now, it's slightly different between home care and nursing home care. In nursing home care, we gather the assets, we apply, and then we do the planning. Excuse me, in home care, we gather the assets, we apply, then we do the planning. In nursing home care, we gather the assets, we do the planning, and then we apply. And it's all based on what's known as an institutionalization date. Mm, okay. So, and then again, just digging a little bit deeper, um, I'm pulling this out of you, Harold. When you say apply, what does that application look like? Where does it go? Who does it go to? Um, what is the time frame? Great question. The application is is submitted in the county where the person lives. Um, there's two avenues to submission. One is electronic, the other is face-to-face -face, um, hard copy documentation. The application is a uniform application in New Jersey for the penalty of Medicaid programs that we have in New Jersey, and the documentation is substantial. Um, there's demographic information, birth certificates, and Medicare cards and things like that. There's marital information, right. marriage certificates and, and right. death certificates if your spouse has died. But the, the burdensome part of it 
are the bank statements and mm-hmm. having the bank statements and more importantly tracking movement among bank accounts so we do oftentimes 30 to 50 page outlines tracking each deposit and each withdrawal the the minimum amount typically is $500 some counties are lower and some counties are higher so that minimal amount is that if there's a transaction of $500 or more those have to be tracked yes. and verified correct yes and how far back do you have to go to verify that let's say $600 we have to go back 5 years and think about this 5 years ago you went to um a meeting you won a a gift uh cash you know you won the the lottery at the meeting or however they do it you deposit the cash you have to remember where you got that cash from that the- is so wild i have a completely different respect for you harold <laughs> totally different respect for you like having to go through that whole process of every transaction for 5 years for that 5 year look back verifying every transaction in addition to all of the other information that you need to and bringing that all together that now you can assist a family assist a client in obtaining federal funded care yes and and one thing to think about for all of your listeners is that new jersey is a harsh state for medicaid and maybe it's because we've had more experiences here i also think in new jersey there's an institutional bias against the actual applicants hmm in a lot of states that's not the case you go 10 minutes from here in new york and the program is operated totally differently and far more permissively so you have to be familiar with how things operate in this state you're working in right right well i know that you know um obviously new jersey being my my stomping ground for many many years that some of those business owners that you are familiar with i'm familiar with um in terms of hey look you know we've we've got this person they're in this situation they want our services but it's to the money is just not there so i i want to ask in our closing remarks harold um in speaking to an owner such as myself in speaking to an owner how best can we serve a client who comes to us for services who really may be sitting on the fence in terms of do I qualify because sometimes they may just earn or have that just a little bit too much versus those who really need our services but cannot afford it but they still don't have that medicaid what is what is your closing statement your closing remarks to us as owners in terms of how do we assist and aid these families i think the most important thing is to let the families know that there are solutions to the eligibility issues they too many people foreclose their options because they just think that there's nothing they can do right right and it, and it's just the opposite it, it, there really are very few people who can't access these benefits they just need the right guidance and that guidance my friend is who 
is Harold Rodberg. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I did a little plug in there for you, but you don't have you don't have to thank me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. You're welcome. Yes. Um, you know, great information, but I know there's obviously more to it, Harold, than you know what we've just spoken about today. And mm. and again, in terms of positioning ourselves as business owners to position our clients in the right place. How do I get them into your hands and, and make them make very, very good decisions and choices as they go through their aging process? Um, I would like to put it on the table today that, you know, maybe we can do a follow-up session and go a little bit more deeper and, and even maybe looking at a, um, a, a sample file that you may have in terms of the things that is looked out for, the, the things that need to be looked out for, the things that we need to really be aware of as we are working with these clients. Because again, they're going to come to us most definitely for guidance. Right. And I really feel that's a great idea because I think that your clients, you can be the heroes for them. You can be their lifesavers. You can add a value to this service that they never anticipated. And it's just a little bit of knowledge to do that. Well, Harold, on that note, you wrapped that up just so eloquently that, you know, we can be that hero. And we always want to be that hero um, and just that place of, of, of solace of solace and comfort. Um, so I think that was just a great ending, a great closing. But we are going to come back. We are going to, you know, dig a little bit deeper into Medicaid. Um but as always, I thank you so very much. And I do thank you on behalf of everybody, everyone who's listening and anybody who may be listening at a later date, just to say thank you so very much for your time, for all that you do do in helping families having those options of, um, of care in our states and in, in America. Thank you very much. <laughs>